3: Hi everybody, welcome to Who Cares About the Rock Hall, a podcast about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame I'm your host Joe Quazala, with me as always, Kristen, I, Kristen Kristen Stoddard. Stoddard Hi Kristen That is me, hello Hello, how are you feeling?
1: Pretty good, it's, it's warm, listeners mm-hmm. don't care, but it's warm <laughs>
3: No, they don't, they could be anywhere
1: They could be anywhere
3: All across the world we have listeners, uh, or so a website told me once
1: I wonder where the coldest place we have a listener is right now. If you're
3: cold right now, write in rockhullpod at gmail.com. Truly please. Uh, We're very excited to have our guest with us here today. Uh, He is many things. I'm prepared to say multi-hyphenate. Ooh, Uh, Ooh, I like that. Yeah. (laughs) Culture writer, professor, author, DJ, podcast host, Oliver Wong.
1: Wow. Hello. Ple-
2: pleasure to be with y'all.
3: Thank you so much for for joining us. Yeah, yeah, my pleasure. Um yeah, you you know, I have to say the first time I saw you was on I don't and I don't know if we've talked about this on air but the PBS documentary Soundbreaking.
2: Oh, I don't oh, yeah, think
3: yeah. we have
1: talked about it on air. I think that was all just uh, chatter off. Yeah, um, off but I've
3: brought it up to you because yes. and we've watched a little bit of it because I'm I'm a big fan. Uh, and I, that's where I saw it. and I was like, I like what this guy is saying.
1: What is the thing? It's like a documentary the, series produced by George Martin. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Not the, RR.
3: No, not
2: RR. The, that'd be that'd be kind of awesome. Yeah, though. yeah. The that long- would
1: explain why we still don't have a new book.
2: Um, yeah, because he's. <laughs> That he's he's not producing, docu- producing
1: music documentaries.
3: No, it was uh, it's produced by George, it was produced by George Martin, who was a long time producer for the Beatles.
1: Uh-huh.
3: Uh And it is just a in depth, really well made documentary about
2: music. Oh. yeah. In fact, I think we taped it at a studio soundstage, actually not far from where we're all sitting right now. So oh, oh shit. Yeah. Okay. Not too far from here.
3: Yeah. Well,
1: in its many parts. Yes <laughs> Does each of them Have a theme
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah so like There's a, there's one segment That's just about The way we listen To music uh, There's one Like ep- the
1: modes In which we yes, listen To it So right. like the Walkman Vinyl etc. you
3: know Or the phonograph To streaming Gotcha You know And then uh, you know There's an episode That's about uh, producers Just like you know People
1: Well that's why we watch it Because we watch it With the Nile Rogers we, Yeah right Right before we went To go see him
2: yeah. he is he's a fun he's a fun hang i hope for in chat i've never hung with him but i can just imagine this fun hang but oh he I can really talk like, like he's he such a good talker yeah we saw chic and yes. they were uh he was just
1: he was awesome his drummer is also a good talker okay though, too. good to know
3: <laughs> yeah but oliver you are someone who I, I when i was watching i was like this guy knows how to talk about music which is and i was like that is perfect for our podcast uh, and so the the first thing I want to ask you, and this is the kind of the question that we do always to kind of get us into it. The yeah, yeah.
1: D'etre to our <laughs> podcast
3: is just what you're what you're coming into this podcast in terms of knowledge about the rock and roll hall of Fame yeah. and and kind of your thoughts and opinions. And as someone who writes about music for many different publications, it is right. at the very least on your periphery, if not something that, uh, you know about with right. some
2: authority. Right. So you know, we we were talking a little bit about this before we started taping, and uh, I mean, there's a couple layers to this. I guess I should first kind of pre-qualify or just qualify some of my remarks. Um, I've actually done a gig for the Hall of Fame. This was, I think, maybe about five years ago, where they had a they did a tribute to Aretha Franklin, and um, I was brought out to DJ kind of like the pre-night event uh, uh, as part of that. Um, which is to say I've been paid by them. So this, ah. this disclosure <laughs> okay. purposes. Okay, he's on
1: the, he's on the on hall's the payroll. payroll. Um, you know, I've, I've had disclosure. friends who,
2: and colleagues who've worked with them in different capacities um, over the years. I've, I've visited the hall. Um, but in terms of what, what you and I were talking about beforehand, I think as someone who came into writing about music and thinking about music, not through um, the lane of, of rock music or its traditions, but really through hip hop, I think I've always had like a lot of people who started in hip hop kind of a chip on my shoulder towards what we think of as like these kind of classic rock institutions Mm -hmm. that have always been very gatekeepy when it comes to. Um, not just hip hop, but arguably just around black music in general, or at least certain kinds of black music. And I think um...
1: anything after 1960, yes, 63.
2: right, yeah. right, yeah. decent right. representation
1: from
3: uh-huh. the early days of rock when right. it comes to black artists. But then after that, it gets uh,
2: spotty, to say the least. Right. So I think I've always approached the the kind of canon making qualities of the hall, similar to how I think of the Grammys, which is I don't really put a lot of stock into them, I don't give them a lot of authoritative, um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, authority? Yeah, I guess <laughs> that, Yeah, maybe yeah. that's, uh, yeah, I should not have turned into an adjective. Yeah. I don't give, them, I don't see them as a, as a particularly um, meaningful authority, at least from my perspective as a music writer and a music scholar, even though I recognize that to other people, it's very important. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's one of those really things where- one. <laughs> One, uh, one guy well, one particular. guy, one guy in particular, no, I think that's probably more than just one, because yeah, a oh, lot of I yeah mean,
1: other guy's dads, sorry,
2: well, I you know I, I have a lot of friends and colleagues who are they they get ballots, and so every year, you know, when the nominees come out and when the voting process is, you know, social media is just filled with like the same kind of debates over and over, yeah, which I think are meaningful to a certain degree, but again, I don't personally put a lot of stock in it, mostly because I see the rock. Um, I see the Hall of Fame in, in similar ways As I see like I said the Grammys Which is that Y'all never really cared that much About sort of the music and the artists I care for And so whether you let like us in or not Is, is less meaningful to me as a consequence of it But I totally get why it's fun to argue about Because mm-hmm. I understand that canon Like the, the, the act of trying to make a canon uh, And decide around inclusion or exclusion mm-hmm. Like these are inherently debatable topics
1: um, you did an Aretha tribute, yes?
2: I was part of the a, a weekend long week Aretha tribute. This when was back when she was alive. Yes, this was back. Okay, I'm thinking I was like, because
1: like, there is I there, there has been some of my personal drama with the halls is yeah, around well, the Aretha. The induction
3: ceremony this year. Should have had an Aretha tribute because oh. she had died, but there was not one. It which did was not surprising. have one. Was it a timing?
1: I don't remember. No, because no. they did oh, right, the stupid she, she singles died. category. I mean, yeah. like no. Oh, I thought you meant like was there not enough time in the broadcast? There's always enough time. <laughs> I'm I am so angry yeah. about this. There, there's My no, big yeah. thing lately about that they did. A whole, and I've said this many times, but I will say it one final. This won't be the last time I say it. They did a Chris Cornell tribute. The he year got before. an entire dirge of Black Hole song. Uh, Black Hole Sun sung by um Ann, Ann Wilson Wilson from Heart and, and
3: Jerry Cantrell from Alice Chains. From Allison and the Chains. issue with that is that Chris Cornell's not in the He's Hall of Fame. He's not even
1: in the Hall of Fame. Aretha is the first woman who was ever inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You know she
3: when you look at the history of the Hall's tribute performances after people die.
1: Bowie got one?
3: I mean, Bowie makes sense, but also the fact that, like, Glenn Frey from the Eagles got one. Wait, and what? And Aretha did not.
1: I do not remember Glenn Frey getting one. Did I see that? Have I ever seen um, that? You,
3: yeah, it was, like, Cheryl Crow and somebody else. Uh, it was... That does seem bizarre, Was this though. when
1: All the Women came out? Like, Lou Harrison? No,
3: that was Linda Ronstadt. Oh,
1: okay, I do remember that one.
3: Yeah, well, that was good. <laughs> you remember it because it was good. You what? don't remember the Glenn Frey. It was, they did, like, New Kid in Town. And it was just kind of sleepy
1: um, Now I'm even more angry (laughs) Yeah I'm so I just It's just the gall Of these motherfuckers Like No truly I mean like like Because my big vision And I don't really care about the hall until then I start talking about this particular things that make me mad which right. is like my big vision for the whole ceremony this year was like I'm like they're gonna open with this beautiful Aretha tribute
3: which really Beyonce should have been is gonna
1: be there Michelle kind of Obama a- is gonna be there like everybody yeah
3: I think I think your theory was that George Michael would come back from the dead yes. and sing I knew and you were scene, waiting that'd be amazing and
1: sing yeah. I knew you were waiting with her yeah. yes that, that with is her cool. hologram. with her hologram I like really believed that they were there was no way they were gonna pass up an opportunity to, you know, A, honor the first woman that they ever inducted, yeah. and B, yeah, fucking wait. get on the diversity tip a little bit more. And- Especially
3: given Janet wasn't performing. Any Yeah, anyway, there, yeah, that yeah. was a big, a, if I may call it, a whoopsie.
1: Wait, now, did they think that they had already taken care of it because they did this thing that you DJed five years ago? Well,
3: yeah, so this was at the museum, right, Oliver? It I was, in Cleveland? Yeah. yeah. And, yeah.
2: The, and the, you know, I think they had, I remember... Um, the night that I DJed, I basically was the opener for MC Light, who followed me. And then on the actual night of the event... Shaka Khan was one of the main performers oh, and then nice. Aretha came out and sang a couple of songs which was kind of awesome yeah, it as a lifelong Aretha fan like I'd never seen her live and even if it was just for like 10 minutes like I will take those 10 minutes so yeah, yeah. but that does seem actually utterly bizarre yes. that they and wouldn't also, have done something
1: just also yeah. some very big shade to have Shaka come and perform at the damn Hall of Fame considering the non- amount of times that she has also been nominated including last year and not um, mm-hmm. inducted
3: I think that actually kind of uh, points to the fact that the museum...
1: That the hall would like her in.
3: The the museum and then the people who do the induction ceremonies are separate entities. Right. Uh, Yeah, and the museum, you know, they don't have to induct anybody, so they can invite whoever they want. Right.
2: You know, and they can, they kind of get that freedom. But, you know, much like with the Grammys, much like with the Academy... Uh, You know, it's the it's the voting base, much like America. It's the voting base Um, that sometimes (laughs) presents, you know, the challenge to these things. Right. So, no,
3: I would say for sure. I mean, because if you look at, let's say, hip hop, I think actually the nominating committee has done a decent job. Yes. uh, But it's when the ballot gets to the voters that we have issues. And to give credit where it's due, Public Enemy, Run DMC, Tupac all got in as soon as they were eligible. They're what we call FYEs, first-year eligible acts, uh, and that is do- that was done correctly. Now, then you look at the other three acts that are in, which is Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, Beastie Boys, and NWA. It took them about three or four ballots apiece, yeah. which, you know, maybe you could argue they should have gotten in as soon as they were eligible, but they still did eventually get in, LL Cool J who has been at this point nominated five times mm-hmm. was nominated back in 2010 when he first became eligible yeah and can't seem to get past that second step and then you know they've put up Africa Bambata once they put up Eric B and Rakim once uh and once it gets to the voting body that's where we seem to have our issues mm-hmm. now uh i do believe my prediction is that notorious big will be nominated and immediately inducted this coming induction cycle.
1: Tupac got in, right? Yeah, we talked about yeah, it. right. He literally he, just said that yes, a, I like did. 10 mm-hmm, seconds mm-hmm. ago.
3: Okay, right. I'm yeah. just an FYE. sure. Yeah. So I th- I do th- so it it's interesting to see where this is going to go because we're also going to catch up pretty quickly cuz you know B- Biggie is eligible for this cycle and then, then cycle. Jay-Z next year. And then Jay-Z is the next, so yeah. is it going to be too enticing to <laughs> induct jay-z before you get to someone like ll or this entire backlog of hip-hop artists that come before that because we're, we're rolling up to 94 and then with jay-z it's 95 right for and eligibility you, well
2: that would also bring you bring wu-tang right into. so wu Tang's already eligible tribe is right. already eligible mob deep um i mean y'all already did a tribe show if, if i remember yeah right? yeah. yeah um Have they been Has Tribe been nominated yet? No No, I I have mentioned
3: everyone Who's been nominated
1: I think I I think Tribe will have A harder time Getting nominated I just I, I mean I think We'll get into this When we get into De La Soul too But it's just kind of like Conscious rap From the 90s Late 80s It's harder Just like I don't think it Penetrated Old white culture Uh as much,
2: I'm not sure N.W.A. did either, except to piss people off in that in that demographic. But it but
1: didn't, as far as like it became a national name, like N.W.A. because "fuck the police" was such a sure. big. There was that huge trial and all that stuff, you know. Like they were weren't, and that was like part of the fight for like labeling of the. I thing think you that, might be conflating no, Two it with cop killer. was, Life Crew. was Two Life that was the big
2: that was and the big free speech show. Ice Ice cop killer, killer, the killer. T, yeah. right? Right.
1: But didn't I wasn't wasn't NWA? I mean, I'm sure. I mean, the movie Tipper helped. Gore
3: was upset with, uh, you know, fuck the police. Right. But, I mean,
1: straight out of Compton helped the, the oh, movie. Helped. But, I mean, I mean, like
3: that's that's really what. But got I do NWA think that like, we
1: knew what NWA was, and also Ice Cube becoming like a
2: family friendly movie, right. movie star. But then why not why not LL, whose movie career at this point is as long eclipsed? I think his musical career. Very good point. So yeah. But
1: I I think that I said this on the on his episode, which is that I think, though, he has it's not like Ice Cube. I think still because his music career was um, like harder and he was more of a like a gangster than LL was Mm. uh, in spite of, you know, Mama said, knock you out. uh, I, I think that like LL almost. People don't think of him as a rapper as much anymore, right? Right. And I don't think necessarily that people don't think of Ice Cube as a rapper anymore, but I think that they, it's like this weird respect for him having been part hard, of NWA, yeah, and part that, of NWA yeah, yeah. back then. I think that that might be the the thing that's keeping LL.
2: Not to get too off tangent here, I would actually give I think Tribe decent odds if at least they get nominated, I think they probably stand a a pretty good chance because I think of that early 90s generation, maybe they're not quite at the stature of, let's say, a biggie who loomed larger than life partly because of his death, but I think someone like Tribe was so universally loved and respected in ways that, again, I would see them probably having an easier shot than maybe even someone like a Adela, even though... I think De La's qualifications for this, and I'm sure we're going to get into this mm-hmm. in a moment. I think are slightly different than tribes are going to be, even though they're very much you know, they, they come from the same clique, of course. But um, tribe, to me, it's like if you know if you were to have looked in some random you know Middle America's CD collection in the night in 1993 you probably would have found like the chronic there and you probably would have found like low theory or midnight marauders. Only if, if, if-, if
1: they had a teenager of a certain age. Okay. I think the chronic <laughs> like that permeated everybody. It was on the damn radio. You know what I mean? Like tribe never had that kind of like as it, more like, I think Q-tip as a personality mm-hmm. maybe broke through more. I mentioned his Budweiser ads from the 90s. <laughs> oh, I don't, were,
2: even, I don't even remember right, those. Were
1: like, you don't remember those?
2: q did Budweiser ads? Yeah, Why? well, well he, the song, he, he, the song yeah, was, yeah, okay. a Vibrant Thing, oh, okay, I, it okay, was
1: part of a Budweiser. Yeah, he, he wasn't chilling He wasn't just right, like right. with a beer in the ad, but like, I do remember that that was like the first time I heard Vibrant Thing was like...
2: Right. Well, I get, I get what I say you're that?
3: saying, I'm Oliver, sure. though, which is that, you know, Tribe was extremely respected and was kind of like a critical darling. Right. Uh, and they are not uh, difficult to love. Right. Uh, kind of across the board. Uh, I think they are, you know, with the way the hall handles hip hop, it's kind of like the biggest, most famous. Names are the ones that are getting in first, and then eventually we will have to deal with, like, okay, where do we go from there as we, like, get away from the absolutely iconic acts? Right. You know, there are also acts that are de- deserving, that are maybe we on keep a... keep
1: clearing out the 60s and 70s, just, you know, we put <laughs> except in... For, except for Rufus yeah, and
2: Shaka Khan, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, eventually, I think Rufus and Shaka Khan will get in before right. any conscious reference. <laughs> From the I just because of who the voting body is and the way that like their even awareness of these bands is so well,
3: because part of the problem is you're thinking like, okay now who is every member of Def Leppard who was just inducted now has a ballot. You know, every member of the zombies. Like, now these are the, and, you know, Janet has a ballot. Great. That's one versus, has a like, single ballot. the 10 people plus I, that I just mentioned. Yeah. You know, and those are the people who are voting. That's the bulk of the voting body is these uh, old white musicians.
2: See, this is why you need to induct Wu-Tang, because then you get eight people. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Rest in peace, ODB. But, right, you get eight people with ballots, and then, you know, that begins to move, shift the demographic a little bit.
1: Yeah. yeah this is like, this is like, i and it's like why the go-go's need to get in it's like we Mm -hmm. just need to diversify you you know
3: or yeah that's it that's an interesting thing too is that typically black artists it tends to be black or female artists it tends to be solo Solo. artists uh whereas you know you don't have the even like the commodores are not in how about earth wind and fire earth wind and fire is no they are they that's right okay yeah but you know that was nearly 20 years ago uh and, you know, it, yeah, from kind of that era, we've done okay uh, with those groups. But Cool and the Gang, you know, still not in there. And, and I think, you know, there's a decent case to be made.
1: Cool and the Gang is not in?
3: No, they're not. I
1: also, it's just because of the hatred. I mean, like, disco and funk, I just think they're also, again, you have the thing. It's like people think that they know what rock and roll is. They're like, I know it when I see it. And it's a white guy with a guitar, full stop. Like, that's what they think it is.
3: Although I think if, if a band... Because the Commodores and Cool and the Gang were both bands that were very popular. Huge. Everybody knows who they are. I think that type of name recognition could carry them from the ballot to...
1: The uh... grave. And, they'll, they're not, and you can't <laughs> no, vote once No, <laughs> to the class.
3: To the class, Kristen. I, I do. Because I think they're...
1: A lot of yeah. problems with some posthumous black uh, artists. Yeah, right. Like... Yeah. Uh well again, look, it's like Biggie will get in and then mm-hmm. he won't get to vote. Will right. will Faith Hill get his ballot? Like what's gonna I
2: Jesus Christ <laughs> That'd be awesome <laughs> if Faith Hill got Biggie's <laughs> if ballot.
1: Faith Hill got Billy Biggie's ballot. Yeah.
2: Do you think uh, Wu are gonna be first year inductees? No, because they've already been eligible. Oh. So and they haven't been nominated yet. They have not been nominated. Now. So what's what's the acronym? It's so
3: F Y E for first year eligible. Eligible. But then we do right. F Y N for first year nominated. So like okay. if by the time Wu Tang finally gets on the ballot.
1: It'll happen they, for them. When they get on the ballot, I don't, Wu-Tang I don't will know. get in. You don't you're think not you're, so?
2: not. you're not positive they would get in on that first ballot? On that first ballot? Yeah. I, it really depends well, on who I else just is on the ballot. think
1: it's going to be in 10 uh, years, and by then they'll be like, oh, yeah.
3: I think maybe. Wu-Tang, and I think Tribe, and I think Dela are going to be within the first 15 hip-hop acts inducted. Now, we only have six at this point, and we don't necessarily get one every year. Right. So we're talking, you know... We'll, we'll we'll get into that later, but you know, there's the way I would break it down. Well, the six that we have in now: Grandmaster Flash, Run DMC, Beastie Boys, Public Enemy, uh, NWA, and Tupac. Right? I think Biggie's going to be next, and then I mean, if you look at the who becomes eligible, you've got Jay Z, you've got Eminem. Eminem. Uh, outcast became eligible last year i think they're going to be in the mix mm. i think uh, you're going to have in the mix you're going to have get them
1: in the mix
3: <laughs> you're going to have to get ll in there at, at at some juncture right so that takes us to to 10 yeah
2: um and then yeah who comes who comes in that next wave after and then that?
3: yeah the wave after that i think is going to be tribe missy elliott uh, De La, Wu-Tang, Snoop Dogg.
1: Missy is going to be the first and only woman I for a long time. I think
3: salt and
2: has a shot.
1: They're going to be that's second. Be, I gonna think gonna that's, gonna that's gonna a super yeah. long
2: shot. Yeah, yeah. that's going to that's gonna be third wave. Yeah, uh, I that's... could maybe see Lauren ahead, but is one album going to be enough? Maybe not. I, you know, she performed
1: in the Nina Simone tribute two years ago.
2: Mm-hmm. And the fact that she showed up at all is, uh,
3: you know, she's playing the game a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Oliver, I want to know why you picked De La Soul.
2: I mean, I think, let's see. Number one, it's because they're the most formative group in not just my kind of hip-hop history, but just in my musical history period. Um, And I think that for the purposes of talking about something like the Rock Hall, they make for, I think a there's a strong case to be made for them to the extent that i'm inclined to want to do it for the reasons why i'm ambivalent (laughs) about arguing about inclusion to begin with but nonetheless i think there's a lot of things about De law that make them i think a very attractive uh candidate for that and so it's a combination of the personal but also in taking the conceit of the show seriously who do i actually think would make you know a compelling argument um, as opposed to, like, plucking a far more obscure, you know... Um, Who does group. your
1: heart say? Who's in your heart's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame?
2: Meaning what, like,
1: like... Like, if you could... If you just wanted... Like, if you were like, this, I think, is the most... Is the best rapper or rap group alive. Or, like, I think this is the best... This is my favorite thing,
2: and I, was, I would well, no, La Well, no, would still fulfill that, right? And, I mean, had you not already done a Tribe one, maybe I would have picked them. But, again, La, they came out earlier. And I think partly because... And I can get into this now if you want. The way I discovered De La Soul is... So I grew up in in LA of the 1980s. And um, at the time, I was listening to a lot of modern rock. Um, there's a radio station out here in Los Angeles, K-R-O-Q, K-Rock, which was the... And still remains like the definitive kind of alternative, alternative rock, yeah. and modern mm-hmm. rock station, new wave station here in Los Angeles. So I, when I was earlier in high school, I was listening to stuff like erasure new order Pesh mode it's it's what like my older cousin listened to um i'm asian american so it's kind of like required that if you were living in california in the 80s and you're asian you listen to modern rock um, but k-rock used to play Day-Law. and not like oh, me myself cool. and i they played if i don't have this wrong they played is the magic number which is the first Law song i heard i didn't hear i did not hear me myself and i until later and and I had been introduced to hip hop a couple of years before that. Um, I had a friend from middle school, uh, Joe Man Wong, shout out to Joe Man, who, uh, when I was a freshman in high school, so this would have been around 1986, 87, gave me a cassette tape that he had dubbed License to Ill by the Beastie Boys on one side and then Run DMC's Raising Hell on the other. And I loved that Like I played that thing To Static But I was young I didn't know a lot About music mm-hmm. I had no idea That this was like A genre of music And ergo If I really liked What I heard I could go that find other, other things, things. Yeah. Just didn't
1: Never occurred also, to me Also what a combo Like like BC Boys On one side Run teams I yeah. mean it's just like That is such a sound That right. is such a like You right. know mm-hmm. Like eighties, East 80s, Coast, East uh, Coast yeah, Def Jam, like Def or, Jam, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I, it just never occurred to me that oh, this was great. Maybe I should go back to Joe Man and be like, dude, hook me up with whatever else sounds like this. Yeah. It just didn't Can occur I to have me. Side two, right? That right? <laughs> well, that that was side one and two. Yeah. I would need volumes yeah. three and four. At that yeah, point. exactly. Um, so I would. I I didn't really discover hip hop in that point. So then three or four years, well, about three years go by, and I'm listening to K Rock, and then they st- they start playing. Um, three the magic number. And I'm like, what is this? Like, who is this group? This sounds really cool. Maybe
0: you can subtract it. You can call it your lucky partner. Maybe you can call it your adjective. But odd as it may be, without my one and two, where would there be my three mates, Passami? And that's the magic number.
3: They're
2: sampling schoolhouse rock. Right. Yeah. And which is something that, you know, if you had been like a, if you were a seventies baby like myself, you would have grown up watching that. And and I must have read a review someplace about Three Feet High and Rising, which was the group's um, debut album. And I don't even remember where that would have been. But I went, I think, if I have my memory's right, I went to Moby Disc, which doesn't exist anymore, but it was a record store. What a Record a great store, name, though. Record a store name. in East Pasadena, which is uh, close to where I grew up, and bought the album. This was the summer of 1989 is what when I got this. What format did you buy it on? I bought it on cassette. Cassette. And was instantly smitten. And that album. It was not the first album I ever bought, but it was the first album that I bought that made me want to listen to everything else that I thought might sound like this. And it was really my, I mean, Three Feet High and Rising was my gateway into hip hop, which then became my gateway into becoming a DJ. It was a gateway into what I got interested in as as a student and then later as a scholar. It certainly is what helped launch me into the world of writing and journalism. Like it all really stemmed from that album Mm -hmm. um, and from that group to bring this back to like our our our, our core point here because daylaw was seen as being like this alternative hip hop act right that was how they were yeah. largely mm-hmm. billed at the time much to their own chagrin that's why a station like k rock would play them in a way where you are not going to hear boogie down productions on k rock k rock mm-hmm. is not playing eric b and ra kim um, they did play white lines by um, Grand oh, Grandmaster Flash and Melly Flash Mel, like that was that was definitely in their rotation.
1: Really, I think that's so interesting to imagine K Rock playing that.
3: Yeah, it almost feels arbitrary. Like why one group and not another?
2: I think some of that early '80s stuff makes a little bit more sense, partly because I'm thinking of just the ways in which, like, the downtown New York music scene of the '80s could be inclusive of, like, Blondie and Grandmaster Melly Mel and, like, you know, whoever else. I mean, there was just so much going on that was part of, like, this kind of no-wave um, scene there that hip-hop was was kind of included on in the margins, and I think K-Rock might have been influenced by some of that, but again, they were not playing what we would consider mainstream hip-hop. You were not going to hear NWA. I could be wrong. I don't think K-Rock was was, was playing mm-hmm. NWA. Um,
3: it had to exist in, like, this alternative uh, Right, category. but Dela
2: mapped, mm-hmm. and so because of that, that's how I discovered De La Soul. And, wow. you know, they they functioned in that moment around the late eighties. They were acceptable to stations that typically didn't play black music and certainly typically didn't play hip hop.
1: I feel like K Rock today would play white lines just because of um mm-hmm. Like a, I I just mean it. Um, I mean, like K-Rock they would,
3: today is playing Imagine Dragons. <laughs> and I nothing guess I'm else. thinking
1: of it as like a novelty that they would do it, like a, in a way, like was that Sha- is it? I don't, Shaun of the Dead or is it Hot Fuzz? In one of those uh, movies, they the do, movies? Yeah, one of those movies. They do like a whole big White Lines right. thing, and I just think that like kids who like rock, I think that White Lines map there is something about sure. that song that really feels. I just could see them being like, and now.
2: Interesting. A but, crazy you
1: know, throwback, fun. I, I, I don't, right. think you, would you ever don't do that. I also no. don't listen to the radio anymore, so maybe. I'm, yeah.
2: I and I don't, I don't listen. I, yeah, you know, I don't I listen, listen to K Rock anymore it. these days. Yeah. But I think if you if you spin back to the '80s, you can imagine a song like "White Lines" fitting perfectly next to something like, um, you know, like Queen's. Um, What's the one with the great bass line? Oh, another one. Another one Dust. Dust. And it would fit with alongside something times. like Just Can't Get Enough by Depeche Mode. Mm-hmm. Like, they yeah. all have very similar production and sounds to it. So I think it made a lot more sense the 80s. Oh, wow.
1: Honestly, that's a great that, – play those – that's a rock block,
2: baby. There play it is. those three songs <laughs> yeah. in a row. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure I'm not the first <laughs> yeah. person to ever come up with those three songs and
3: <laughs> right. comboed. And uh, specifically with that Queen bass line. Of course. I, mm-hmm. Is the Nile Rodgers. Of uh, course. Uh, you yeah. know, Good Times, which then was in- – it all Sugar goes back Hill to gang. Chic, really. Yeah. Yeah. It really all goes back often, to Chic. Often it does. Yeah. We found. Niall. <laughs> shout, out, shout out to Nile. Yeah.
1: Shout out to Nile. Nile, musical excellence.
3: Yep, he's an inductee. Um, so that's uh, that's interesting. That's the that's your gateway. Was three feet high and rising the first thing you wrote about? No, ever? no, no. Okay. I, I didn't.
2: I didn't start writing about music in any kind of professional. I use that with scare quotes until <laughs> I think probably around. 1995 is when I first started writing about music for outlets. Though I was writing about music, this is pre-World Wide Web, but it's um, after the internet had been kind of introduced, at least on college campuses, I discovered um, news groups. And so, uh, and there used to be two major hip-hop oriented ones, uh, alt.rap and rec.music. Dash uh, hip hop, I think, I, if I have it right. Uh-huh. And that's where I first started reviewing albums was just writing on these news groups about my impressions about different stuff that I mean and you gotta remember this is all during the early 90s so even though we may, we may not have been calling it the golden era it was definitely like a really good era to be writing about new hip hop mm-hmm. releases I got a lot of stuff wrong in that era like I called Illmatic I think slightly overrated which is <laughs> oh, an wow. opinion I have yeah. completely like retreated upon these days good. but um, but I realized in hindsight that even before I started getting paid to write about music writing about music for news groups is where I first started writing for a public audience of any sort. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, even though I have a whole life pre-internet as a 70s kid, I still got my start writing because of the internet. Oh, wow. How quaint. I think Yes, isn't it though? Yeah, well,
1: yeah and it's really interesting to think too that I bet people would like, you know, log on or, you know, sign uh, dial up to... uh to like read what you had to say about a thing. You uh, yeah. know what I mean? You get, right. you could get, it's like Twitter. It was like, you could get these niche followings, totally, you know, right? kind of in these interesting ways. Um, Nas, is he, uh,
3: you know eligible? the answer to oh um eligible i, I know eligible? that he's not in
2: i i good you god like, is joe Nas really in? gave I think...
1: me i know that he's not in i was at is he eligible
2: um i don't know when Nas's first release was 90 f- well is it first album release it's first yes. uh no it's first record like okay. it could be is often it's a single that makes someone eligible okay so then that would probably be half time up the zebra head soundtrack and that would have been either 92 or 93 So he became eligible recently.
1: Okay. I mean, I don't, I, 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 this, I was just thinking, like, well, when is the, what's the, like, when's the nausea going to happen? Yeah. I feel like just thinking about people who kind of had like these really iconic, influential albums too, like in the Lauren vein where, oh, just thinking about that. Mm My, uh, um, my exposure to De La Soul comes as always through an ex boyfriend. A lot of my musical uh like knowledge knowledge and exposure has happened through shout different out, Shout men out to all the exes life. who yeah. put us up on stuff. Shout out <laughs> shout out Joran Gargello. Uh, and he was the one who I mentioned this in the tribe because he was also very into tribe. Uh, uh he and Del the Funky Homo sapiens yeah. mm, who mm-hmm. Joe one hundred percent did not believe was a real person and now we know is the guy from Fucking Gorillas. So uh what are you going to do? Uh, but yeah, we... I remember get, getting it... Like, he would make these mixes for, like, road trips and stuff. Mm. Um, so... And and then he gave me a bunch of... Like, I feel like we were making each other mix CDs probably at this point. And he gave me a bunch of of De La. But I've never... I don't know much about them. I know, like, the iconic songs. I... And I know like I can recognize the De La Soul song and I've listened to a few of their albums through and they're one of the I like have a love hate relationship with what they did by introducing skits into <laughs> hip hop culture you I could argue they're hate. responsible i like hate skits on albums i like hate that oh. hate it with my whole heart and soul wow yeah i know exactly so but are you I, not
2: a comedian but you...
1: I, that's exactly why oh, okay. i hate skits because rappers are not comedians it's like what <laughs> a rapper's attitude it. <laughs> it would be like a rapper's
2: <laughs> well, attitude it'd be like of like a if comedian in between
1: my things i was like and not let me lay some bars like absolutely <laughs> right. not like there's some comedians no. who do
2: that but I'm, yeah. I'm, yes. I'm with you
1: Glover is the only one Who can do it
2: I'm with you to a large extent Which is to say that I do think that there is A proliferation of really Bad skits out yes. there But I think like I'm not going to throw The baby out with the bathwater To say I that am. There are some good skits And I'm here for those Good skits What even do though... you
1: think Is a good skit And if you say A $20 sack pyramid <laughs> That is like The skit that people Try to tell me Is the best skit Of all time It's,
2: it's an okay skit I'm not I'm not mad at that one mm. Um I think the uh, uh, Where's My tape skit From the first Wu-Tang Wu-Tang album That's is, People is really
1: say good. that the Wu-Tang Are Like Okay The people who I think Can get away with Skits in some way Are De La Soul Because they do it As a concept Generally yes. Which I think mm-hmm. is very cool I like it And then Kendrick um, like Good Kid Mad City like that was like a concept like you're yeah. learning a story yeah. through the skits yeah. I, I still hate them I mean if I never had to hear <laughs> another voicemail from somebody or I'm like just I'm
2: like 85% cute, with you or
1: like a rapper and a comedian just like I would talk about this all the time just like fucking it'll like a song will end and then they'll be like here's two minutes of us talking misogynist shit. And I'm like, you ruined it. Why did you do this to me? Like, why? Why you gotta get Jamie Foxx on your album, Kanye, to just <laughs> fucking make a prank phone call and call some girl ugly. Like I hate this. I feel you. <laughs> you are making me so mad. So that I that my feelings about De La are like they are to blame for the fact that this has proliferated because they did it they well it, yeah. and they started yeah. it yeah. they mm-hmm. did a cool thing what they yeah. did was cool and like the concept of it being like a radio station is cool and you're like yeah. fe- seeing the characters that you're meeting in these songs you're like learning their story it makes it a whole experience mm-hmm. and that also is really cool when it comes to like an album experience sure. so people were listening to albums and like that is Really, like that's what I think about too with like Good Kid Mad City, which is like an album, it is telling you a story. It's like, or to um, to Pimp a Butterfly, it's like an album, it's telling you a story. The skits matter in general, quit it, at least make them a separate fucking track.
2: Please. Well, I, oh, I'm with you on that. Just Make give me, give me the way that I can skip, I can yes, skip exactly. past it. Yes, exactly. If you don't I, want it, right. you can easily oh yeah, get God, rid of it. Gonna,
1: I'm right. like, this song is six and a half minutes long. It's like, no, it's three minutes of two dudes giggling at how fucking hilarious <laughs> they think they are in a studio. Stop it.
3: Wow. And there you have it. A monologue <laughs> from Kristen Sutter to, uh I, <laughs> skits. Uh, to be reconsidered.
1: Skits, get them out of here. Scram. Uh, well, Skits.
3: you know, one, one of the things that makes talking about music, but also the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame specifically difficult, is that obviously music is subjective. It's hard to categorize these things in an objective way. But in, in an attempt to do that thing that I just said was impossible, <laughs> I put together a list of criteria that I think if an artist does well in these uh, categories that they have a case for induction. All right. So we're going to take a little bit of a break, and when we come back, we're going to see how De La Soul stacks up. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. I hope you had a nice break. I hope over your break uh, you remembered an old friend or some shit. Okay. <laughs> so the with De La Soul... Uh, they became eligible for the 2014 ceremony, uh, and they have no hall connections that I see. I don't believe they inducted or have shown up or anything like that. Uh, they, so let's go through these categories, shall we, with De La Soul. The first category is uh, Critical Acclaim. I would call De La Soul critical darlings. I think if you kind of look at the publications that De La Soul has been in, oh sure, they uh, they've done extremely well. Uh, you know, whether it's the Village Voice or it's Rolling Stone or what have you, uh, this is a group that critics could uh, re- I don't know about relate to, but they're uh, they're a group that critics could really oh yeah appreciate totally. I guess is the word yes. yeah. Uh, and the kind of the rubric we use to uh, determine just how well a uh, group is critically adored, we use the Rolling Stone 500 list. Yeah. uh 500 greatest albums, and I'm, I should acknowledge you
1: have to acknowledge it, Joe,
3: that we did we had recorded some of this already, <laughs> <I'm>
1: like, <laughs> and you we are, are barreling through, but
3: we are re, we are re-recording some of this. Uh, so I have already made Kristen guess maybe one of the more unbelievable things probably on our podcast yeah. has been lost, which is that I had Kristen guess where De La Soul was on the 500 list, and she, I believe, said 340. I said
1: 341. I said, I think Three Feet and Rising is on it because I know that Rolling Stone likes, they that makes them feel good about themselves to put that song on. <laughs> I, it makes that them feel album, good about themselves to yeah. put that album on the on the list. Right. And I but said not too high. I think it's going to be around <laughs> 340. I said 341 yeah. was my guess, and then Oliver said. I said
2: I probably would have put it somewhere
3: in the 300s as well. And it's 346, and which it's was 346. amazing. Which is really right. yeah. Everybody cheered. We uh, popped champagne. Uh, fireworks honestly, went off. Yeah, and that
1: might be what lost us the footage. <laughs> yeah, we we flew too close <laughs> the to the sun. Yeah. yeah,
3: no doubt. Right. Uh, yeah, but so that album is I would say definitively a classic one. It's on every single list of the you know right. greatest albums, whatever you want to, however you want to do. That, uh, however, you want to judge the classicness of an album, Three Feet High and Rising across the board is going to be uh, considered in sure. that regard. Uh, and we've, you know, if we have to determine why Three Feet High and Rising is so critically adored, it's like, likely the both the inventiveness of the lyrically and production wise.
1: Well, and something that Oliver had said the last time was basically too that these that they were being quirky and weird and interesting, and the fact that it wasn't just you know I'm the greatest rapper alive, and here's how and why, and here's why everyone who tries to step to me is a sucker. This is this was more like here's uh, and mm-hmm. like the flow was very interesting. It was more intricate flow. Yeah. And the so
2: sampling to the
3: If you want to speak to that, yeah. Oliver, like at that time, this album coming out, what that kind of meant in the context of hip hop.
2: Yeah, I mean I think the biggest intervention that That Dela provided It wasn't simply just the kind of creative energy That went into all the quirkiness of the album Which is certainly a big part of it But it's also that if you looked at the landscape Of what hip-hop was like Circa 1988-89 Leading up to the release of the album You know, it's dominated by these larger-than-life Superhero MC figures Your LL Cool J's Your uh, Kumo D's Your KRS ones Chuck D um, Rock Kim, etc And Dela was not like any of those other guys. They were not, um, you know, and I say, I mean posturing in a, in a positive way here. They were not posturing in terms of being these superhero bulletproof MCs um, that were, you know, godlike figures. These were like nebbish, nerdy guys from Long Island. Like they'd even come from like a cool borough like Queens or mm-hmm. or, or the Bronx or Brooklyn. They're coming from Long Island and, you know, they, they have a very famous lyric about how... Black medallions, no gold. So they're not rocking chains. They're not. They're not appearing in music videos driving up in, in you know Mercedes Benz or BMWs. They were like these kind of weird dudes who reveled in being weird and being different. And I think as a result of that, the biggest you know contribution that they made to hip hop of that era, besides kind of whatever lyrical and, and musical um, innovations they came up with, is they demonstrated that hip hop could be something different than what we were used to. And I think from a 2019 perspective, where hip hop can mean a thousand different things, mm-hmm. that means that means seem unremarkable. But back in 1989, right, spinning back 20 years, that was that it, it's it's hard to overstate how important it was for everyone else in hip hop or were interested in hip hop to realize, "Oh, hip hop can be something different than like what we see from LL Cool J or Big Daddy Kane. Hip-hop can be weird. It can be different. It can be creative. It can go in all these other directions. And I think more so than really any other group of their era, Dela transformed what we knew of what was possible from hip-hop. And I think for no other reason, this is what makes them such an important group. Mm-hmm. In addition to the fact that, you know, we can get into this in a moment too – what they were doing musically in terms of sampling culture they expanded way beyond the James Brown and the Parliament Funkadelic catalog even though me you know me myself me myself and I was, was from a P-Punk song yeah. but i mean they were sampling from Johnny Cash from Schoolhouse Rock from obscure 1960s doo-wop groups from Hollow Notes um, from the Turtles which ended up being a bad thing because the Turtles <laughs> sued them and that kind of messed up sampling culture for Ever after that But in any case They were really Really broadening The scope of like What was possible In so many different levels I think for all Of these reasons This is what sort of Makes Three Feet High And rising in De La In that moment So important Even though I would argue That actually I think De La Soul is dead Is the is the more interesting album We can get into that later mm-hmm. If we want to Do
1: you think that people um, Do you think that uh, Three Feet High Being the one That is maybe more uh, Critically lauded Or like that appears On this list Is just because it, it just like precedent setting kind of okay
2: yeah and you know it's I think it's much easier for first albums to kind of get that recognition Mm -hmm. um you know it's much harder I think for second or third albums to mirror the same way although
1: I do feel like if there's a Beastie Boys album on the Thing it is probably Paul's boutique and ahead
2: not of uh,
3: License to Ill. Yeah, they're both Ill. they're both on there, but Paul's they boutique are? is is the one. Ooh, that...
1: can I guess where they oh, God. are? Yeah, okay, okay. sure. Let's see because we. I well, yeah, a real, You're on roll. Yeah, let's, 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 get a double real, down, let's double get down. Double yes. down. Guess. I think Paul's boutique is going to be like. Ooh boy. Okay. Ooh, I'm. I think either like one twelve or one eighty. Okay. Um and uh I think and License to ill is also on there. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I think License to Ill is going to be like 275.
3: Okay. So, I would say pretty solid. Uh, if you kind of split the difference of the, the, your two guesses. Oh,
1: with, is it in the 150s? It's 156.
3: Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. like, you kind of <laughs> that's She's on a you, roll. You had two numbers in there, and <laughs> yeah. you just had to kind of combine them, find the average. Uh-huh. And then License to Ill is at 219. I See, am, now that just seems too high to me.
1: Yeah. License that, to Ill should not be. That doesn't need be, to be that high. License to Ill honestly doesn't need to be on there, in my opinion. I think it's a good album, but like I think as for what it does, as far as like innovation is concerned, right. it's like. Been, well, it's
3: almost like you, you split the things that Oliver was talking about, which is that like. Because Three Feet High and Rising has the inventiveness that Paul's Boutique has, but. License to Hill Ill has the debut. Uh, License
1: to Hill is actually Hillary Clinton's new. Yes.
3: Uh, <laughs> right. She has transitioned, transitioned. careers. Uh, uh, but License to Ill has that debut quality that right. is important. Sure. So it's, yeah. Sure. That's how I would characterize that. And we should mention that the Turtles controversy is really too bad because uh, it, it fucked uh, a lot of shit up for sampling. Yeah. And especially for a pretty throwaway
2: sample. Which right. Is, it appears on transmitting live to Mars on. The three feet high and rising album which is effectively like an instrumental skit like they could have easily just left it off and just it really would not have changed the album mm-hmm. yep. but Karm- just
1: karmically they paid for having introduced yeah, skits. skits to, yeah, right. to the bane of rap albums and uh you know sorry you get what you deserve Ouch. sometimes Ouch.
3: they uh yeah it, and they have said like we easily could have changed that it would not right. have really changed much in that non-song track
2: and it could have saved a lot of trouble. I will say this much though. Sampling, because it was so ill-defined in terms of existing copyright law, it was going to come to a head with yes. something. Yes, of course. Especially, if it wasn't this, it was going yeah. to be something else. It kind of sucks that it was for this because, um, you know, three feet, three feet high and rising. And then I forget how many of those early Daylight albums amazingly are not on any streaming service. And it's because of sample clearance problems. And this is something that they as a group have have talked very publicly about because Tommy Boy Records, which released those albums and which still has, I think, the controlling interest in them, will not go through what needs to be done in order to make those albums available through your iTunes, your Spotify, or whatever else. And it's pretty wild to realize that an album of the stature of Three Feet in High and Rising, a bestseller, critically acclaimed, you can't find it anywhere. No. Not legally, at least. So right. with
1: this, like, sample clearance stuff, is it then, so you have to get these samples cleared, but then do they also, do you have to pay for every sample? Do they get a, a piece of the royalty? How it
2: depends it? on how that gets Generally, negotiated. Okay. Right. Usually yeah. you want to license it so you don't, yeah. you don't, so you don't have no, to, no back end stuff. Yeah. But certain artists have been able to get sort of that concession. Usually if you forgot to clear it on the front end, as and a back end penalty, ooh, baby, you got to give up. You got to give up points. Yeah, and I've got okay. to imagine
3: the uh, extent with which you use the track must have something to do
2: with that. it. Does, but it's. I mean, be- again, the copyright law on this is really, really ill defined. So it's really up to the negotiation. So I mean, again, with the turtles, it was maybe half a bar. It's not like they're sampling like half the song. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you, yet- you might not even
3: if you know that song, you might not even recognize that sample right within it. Exactly.
2: So the I length of it, which is what they were banking on, right, right. It's really up to a jury or a judge to decide, and that's this is part of the kind of the, the kind of dangerous variances that have existed around copyright and sampling, mm-hmm. which we have yet to resolve, even though it's been like twenty plus years now. So
1: there isn't like a standard way to resolve no. it anymore. Oh, not really. Yet, uh, I mean,
2: there's there's court precedent, but that's not like yeah. copyright law has not officially stated okay, X amount Here is of time. how you do this. No, oh. they, they won't they won't touch it, or right. they haven't at least.
3: Uh, so, yeah, I definitively the classic album is Three Feet High and Rising, but then you could make a case for the the ones that come after that. Yeah. Uh, De La Soul is Dead, which is an interesting one because of the kind of reinvention aspect right. of it.
2: And I don't think any rap artist had done... I mean, there are rap artists who have made albums that are different from the ones that preceded it. But up until that point, I don't think any artist had basically said... We're going to reinvent ourselves by metaphorically killing off what everyone liked about our <laughs> previous iteration.
1: Yeah, for our second album, too. This yeah, isn't right. like, you know, well, we've made five we, albums of this kind right, of, for you know. Like, right.
2: This is like, you. oh, you all loved our debut? Great. That's dead. Like, literally, we're it's saying done. De La Soul is dead. We're going to kill ourselves because we hate how everyone called us hippies. And we're going to reinvent ourselves. And I thought that was... An incredible move. I mean, you know, 20 years later, it's still, or plus years later, that still seems like an incredible thing for them to have done because you're basically giving up in a sense, everything symbolically that people loved about you to begin with and you're basically saying, fuck that. Now, is like, the
1: sound of Day Last Soul Is Dead markedly different? Not than, really. Yeah. So
2: it wasn't like a complete so it like reinvention. A, it
1: was like a, but it you know, was more like a nod re- to the fact it was, of, yeah, yeah, it
3: was a rhetorical, a rhetorical reinvention. Because they were That's, upset with, like you said, being called hippies. Right. They, uh, and it was mostly because I think there were flowers on
2: the album cover. Right, or, and they had the whole thing about the Daisy Age, which was an acronym. And so, I mean, it's not, it's not crazy to understand why people labeled them as hippies, but it was definitely not a label. When yeah. listening to
1: their music, it is pretty laid back. Mm-hmm. It's a chill vibe music. And, and
2: feel good, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it has like that kind of like, yeah, very yeah. whimsical feel to it. To me, it.
1: it feels very California. You know what I mean? Like that's why I was, I, you know, like it,
3: I could I could see that it feels sure. it's
1: got like a, more of a West Coast right, vibe.
3: Right, mm-hmm. It's sunnier, maybe, yeah. You could say yeah, Long the, Island has beaches, so you know, the, the sun ah, you the sun shines Chuchu, Chuchu. on Chuchu. Long Island. There you go, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Just the same. Uh, kind of connected to that streaming thing. I so the next category is iconic, recognizable songs, and obviously I would say Me Myself and I is the big one. That's the one that everyone knows. Yeah, that's, which is a
2: song they don't even like. <laughs>
0: They'll
2: play it in shows But they'll they'll say We hate this song But y'all love this song And then they'll play the song Yeah
3: Fan service Right At that point uh, but that's the only song you're really going to hear on the radio. That's the song that's going to be on the soundtrack of, you know, a comedy that's right. out in 2019. Right. Uh, but then yeah. beyond that, it's it's uh, and I tried to with the streaming thing. I was like, oh, let's see what their top Spotify songs yeah, are. It's... And then you look and you're like, these are all from recent right, albums. Cause, yeah. Because yeah, none of those. Oh,
1: you are... cannot stream either of those first two albums? No.
3: And, and maybe oh, the first, I think first four three or, or, or something like yeah. That's like yeah. all
1: of their kind of iconic. Right. Yeah,
3: for sure. Right. And it's because of that that clearance thing.
1: Wow. Uh, I Guess I should have kept those mix CDs that Joran made. There you me. go.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but but Oliver, what would you say are then? You know, obviously there's that me myself and I top yeah. tier. What what would you say then beyond that?
2: I think say no go, which is the song that uses um, the hollow notes. I would put I know up there, but that's just a personal favor. That's a song that uses a combination of the Mad Lads, and I think more better known as Stilly Dance Stay Peg is, is on I there. I know
0: this, but not because of all my earthly treasures, or regardless to the fact that I'm the loose, but because. I know I love
2: That was a song off of three feet When I first heard that album On my first time listening through That was the moment The song I'm like "All right, Whatever else I listen to I just want it to sound like this So I know for me I don't think it would make Most people's like Maybe top ten list Of of De La Soul songs But it'd be my number one For sentimental reasons Mm -hmm. Um, You know Stakes is High The title track from Stakes is High That probably might make it on there That's why
0: the native tongues Has officially been reinstated Reinstated. by
2: um saturdays saturday oh yeah roller yeah. skate name, jam named saturday i think it's like one of their like just an all-time great hip-hop party song <laughs>
1: It is a roller skate. jam. It really is. It is yeah. that's a. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to go in an oval? Do you yeah. want to skate in an Strap oval? Strap them on and
3: go in that oval as the saying goes. Get in the oval, goes. baby. Uh, that next one. category is commercial success, which uh, they, you know, okay,
1: did fine. You know, yeah.
3: sold five million records, which you know, in comparison to some of the artists we've talked about, is quite a bit. Uh, we just did the Carpenters, which was ninety million. So you know, not so much. But Sorry, they're right. also you know they're in right. the top. Yeah, of all time, right, right. Five million, especially for an artist, artists that are maybe a little more inventive and challenging and artistically credible to sell five million records. That's uh, that's something.
2: I mean, I know three feet high went gold. Did they actually go? It went
3: platinum. It went platinum. That's impressive. Okay, for sure. Okay. Yeah, and then De La Soul's Dead went gold and it okay. was diminishing kind of after that. Right, right.
1: Also, now I'm going to think about skits for a second. Just I'm going to just have free association. have a little muse for a heartbeat. Yeah. But like thinking about two kind of album culture and tape culture and thinking about how much the medium affects the music mm-hmm. and like something about like having skits. And having them like as part of the track is very tape culture to me. Like, you know, because you're not there's it's not like on a CD where you're skipping around. It's it's a linear listening experience, experience, much in the way that an album is. But to me, even more so because you cannot stop on a stupid (laughs) song. You're just (laughs) like, fuck. All right. You know, you just are going to listen to songs you don't even like. You're going to listen to. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I will say this much I think for those of us Who grew up listening to cassettes We got very good At kind of being able To figure out How many seconds On the fast forward Was necessary To move you In terms of minutes Within yes. a song
1: And based on your own You know Cassette player right. I mean I remember I had a Walkman As a child and But I remember being like I would get cassingles For that reason Because yes. I was like ka-singles. I don't want to listen to Anything word. I don't want yeah. to listen to Yeah I want to listen to Everybody, Everybody by Black Box, and then I want to listen to the remix on the other right.
2: side. Oh, my God. You need, you need that auto-reverse function on the on player. Oh, the, yeah, the uh, one that would make player. it flip over? Yeah, I so had didn't it. Yeah, you did have to pop that out. I yeah. had it. Uh, next,
1: 92 Dodge Shadow. What's up? <laughs> oh, my God. That was my first car.
3: Uh, next category is longevity. Uh, in the phrase we're, we're starting to use now is imperial phase. Oh, yes. Which is coined by, you
2: know. Chris Malanfi from Hit Parade. Yeah, um, yeah. That's his term. Yeah, shout out to Chris.
3: Uh, great term. Uh, so they're kind of in imperial phase eighty nine to ninety six, which is three feet high and rising until about their fourth album. Right, the first four the first four albums. Th- that's kind of the right where they're uh, on top, even though the two thousand album Artificial Intelligence Mosaic Thump seemed to do pretty well, right. charted it in the top ten uh, albums, which was the first time that that happened for them. Right. Uh, so not too bad, about seven years or so, and they're still around, still putting stuff out, still you know doing crowdfunding their albums, kickstarters, yeah, yeah.
1: That is uh, wild to me.
3: Yeah, that they did a Kickstarter and, you know, they obviously got, I think they, it was six times what they were asking for to make an album that ended up being fine, right? Yeah. Fine to not great. I mean, I love De La, did not love that album, but, yeah. you know, what are you going to do? Uh,
1: did Garden State 2 ever get made?
3: Yeah, it was. What was it called? That was crowdfunded as well. Is yeah, that, is that, that was like the
1: big was it, one. was it was a real? Like, was it an actual Braff.
3: sequel? It no, 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 no. no. Yeah. It was like called When You See Me or something. Right. What?
2: It was called like Wish I Was Here or was yeah. some okay. title like that. That was like.
1: Did it come out? I haven't thought, thought so. of Zach
2: Braff in years. Like, what is that dude doing these days? He
1: had a show on television that my friend was on. That's I
2: okay. He oh, had, he, had he had a podcasting had show.
1: Season, yeah, about a podcast that I love. He had, but that the, sounds the very on Not good. Right? It did not seem to be good. No, Um, but it was from one of my. It was based on. I think
2: we need we need a Braff Renaissance soon. I don't know. Honestly, we don't. You can stay in your corner. (laughs) Yeah,
1: honestly, we don't. We don't. He can. I mean, he can do whatever he wants to. But like, what the world needs now is not the Renaissance of Zach Braff. (laughs) You could come up with whoever the woman was on that show, maybe.
3: Like, if you could get a McConnaissance, but if you could do it for Braff, or like
1: the way we're having a Keanu-sance right now, too, big time.
2: Yeah. Are you here for that though? Yeah. Oh, who isn't? Come
1: yeah. on. He's America's sweetheart right now. Everybody it's loves true. Keanu. Uh, the,
3: the next category is innovation influence, which we've oh, talked yeah. about. You know, where... The whole nine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Super innovative, super influential uh, kind of across the board, uh, especially within, I think that can't be stressed enough, within the genre of hip-hop right uh, at at the top you know uh, up up there with the nearly any other group you could think of um, among the most innovative and influential I would say absolutely yes
1: straight lines straight lines from De La to Kanye as far as like production oh, and sure. content are concerned right and kind of to everything that we think of as like I don't know. I think of what we think of as like interesting hip hop. You know, they they took hip hop and and made critics think of it more as art.
2: Right. I think really one of the first really important hip hop concept albums. And so whether I don't think you know if you were to interview Kendrick, I don't think he would say, "Oh, I came up with Good Kid, Mad City because I was listening to Daylight." I'm almost positive he wouldn't say that. But I think you can draw basically a kind of informal lineage between that album. And something or really to to pimp a butterfly would be Mm -hmm. an even better example and then trace that back to something like three feet high as as pioneering a particular way of thinking about how to do a hip-hop album that's not just about a bunch of singles but really about like listening to it as an album as
3: Mm -hmm. a whole yeah Yeah. it's been it's been coined uh the sergeant peppers of hip-hop really i've seen that okay i've read that yeah i can see that (laughs) last category maybe the most important does my mom know Uh, who they are my mom doesn't uh my mom does not
1: Absolutely not. Jackie's a no on that one. And
3: so that's that's maybe what makes this uh, a little bit of an uphill climb for for Dela, because, you know, that category is meant to represent name recognition. Right. And you don't especially recently in uh, the classes that we've seen of inductees, you don't see too many artists that don't have that kind of name recognition. Although I think it could happen. Why don't we get to the verdict? Should De La Soul be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Will they? And if so, when? And we'll start with Kristen.
1: I think they should. I think they will, but it's going to be one of those ones. It'll be like the zombies almost. Not like in the exact sense that like the zombies were as influential as De La Soul was, but in the like, time. it took 30 years. Like Do you um, think it's
3: gonna take 30 years
1: I do I, I mean I, I just I mean maybe not 30 But I think what you were saying About them being in the top 15 or 20 mm-hmm. I think it's gonna take 10 years 15 least, yeah. maybe I think we're looking At 10 to 15 years uh, okay. Just because The way the thing works You know And I think We've got other people That are more Known to the voting body That are gonna Make the case e- uh, Even
3: within
2: the genre Yeah Yeah Yes all right, Oliver. What do you think? Should well, will? obviously yes, I think they should. Mm-hmm. That's um, why you're here? Yes, I think they will. But I, I'm not able to handicap how long it will take because I don't understand sort of the, that system nearly as well <laughs> the, as the, the two of you do. Yeah. Um, I think I would like to hope that it would be sooner than, let's say, you know, 10 years into their eligibility. Um, I think if they make it onto a nominations ballot, I would actually think that the, their odds are actually pretty good if they can make it to that point think
1: Um, of Shaka think of poor Shaka think of how many times she's been nominated or LL or LL
2: yeah but I well I actually I can't really explain the Rufus and Shaka Khan like exclusion because that does seem very odd especially given the history of Rufus as a band within the world of rock before they made the turn towards soul and funk but I think De Law, because they are they were really always far more of a set of critical darlings than they were commercial darlings and I Mm -hmm. think for that reason it kind of gives them added credibility but on the flip side, maybe it is also kind of a generational thing in terms of well, who's voting, you know, for them, you know, within the voting body. And
1: the word fame sometimes gets bandied about, you know, yeah. it's like.
2: Mm-hmm. Do you but have they're to not super obscure. They're, yeah. they they're not.
1: They're not. Right. They're not obscure. Uh, too many, but yeah, too many. They are.
3: You, yeah, and you have you have to think about who's voting, right? It's members of the Moody Blues who are in their seventies. <laughs> do they care or know about De La Soul?
2: I don't know. I don't know. But I kind of feel like if they did know anything about him, it would be a positive association. You'd think. But
3: there's, I mean, I I think it was last year during the, when the ballots were out, someone from the Hollies was like, I don't know anybody on this ballot except for the zombies. That's all I'm voting for. And I was like, this is great. This needs to, these are the people who need to be voting for this thing. Um, Joe, Yeah, my verdict is I think they should And I think they will. Like I said, I think they're going to be in the first 15 acts of hip hop to be inducted. But I don't think we're going to get a hip hop act every year necessarily. And, you know, it's so I think it's going to be more than 10 years, unfortunately. 10 to 15, I think, is where I would put it. Because I think once we get through that first, like the, like I said, the icons, like Big E and Jay Z and Eminem, uh, I think De La, along with Tribe and, and Wu-Tang and Snoop, I think they're going to be
2: in the conversation. Can I turn the tables for a moment? Could you? Ooh. Do you think that there will one day be a hip-hop Hall of Fame?
1: I definitely do.
2: And will have the same stature relative to the community in which it
3: represents? I think it's hard to create those things now. I think one of the reasons why the Rock Hall endures is it's been around for a long time. And I think without trying to do that now in a more cynical culture is hard to do. Uh, to establish this is going to be a Hall of Fame. Everyone's going to shit on it on Twitter. (laughs) Like Everyone (laughs) is going to be pretty cynical about it. So I think it's hard to do. There was a thing called the Hip Hop Honors on VH1, which is kind of close. To that they right. don't do that anymore. Mm. I don't think I could. They could because VH1 back.
1: does. Like, does it exist anymore? What's going on? I mean, on they VH1? did it as
3: recently as 2017. Really? So, but you know, does that mean but it's the over? Honors,
1: I guess. Think I think of that as different than a hall. I think that they will create some sort of thing. I think we're looking at it though. 20 years from now, when mm. then when it's been around long enough and like known long enough, I talk about this all the time on the show about how I think that hip hop is counterculture now it is rock and roll it is rock and roll what rock and roll used to represent is what hip-hop represents right now which is the music that scares your parents like that is what it is and that is so i think you know years from now it'll be like we'll be looking back on the 80s 90s and it'll be the you know 50s 60s of you know
3: it's also possible that the rock hall will evolve to a point where we are inducting more than one hip-hop act in a year where that just is the inevitability
1: but then do you think that there will ever come a time that they would rebrand
3: no I think you can still call it rock and roll because it's this kind of spirit of rock it's the attitude of of rock although you know
1: was that the ice cube speech
3: yeah that hip-hop is an attitude that's what he said kind of directly to Gene Simmons in a sense because Gene Simmons loves to come out of the woodwork and talk about how hip-hop doesn't belong in the hall Uh, All right, let's say they get in though De La Soul is getting inducted. Who gives the speech to induct De La Soul? Mm. I think my thought is an an artist that they kind of broke who uh, feels to me like he was created in a lab to give a Hall of Fame induction speech, which is common.
1: Oh.
2: That's a good call.
3: He seems like someone the people who run the rock hall would already know. (laughs) Yes.
2: (laughs) Would would, uh, have his number, and he would do it. If I mean, I think that's a good call. I would say, I think Chuck D is a, a distinct possibility. As someone mm-hmm. else who is from Long Island, I mean, would have known those guys coming up. And he obviously he, has a certain stature.
3: And he has shown up, and you know, he inducted the Beastie Boys. Uh, oh yeah, He has been inducted himself. Yeah, he's he play he plays the game with the Hall. I well, think Mos Def, uh, given his connection to the group, yeah, his stated influence. But I uh, guess
1: I wonder if that is a big enough of a get for the hall
3: yeah i think he would maybe give the most passionate speech i don't know just because what he has said about how he's been influenced by that right right i uh, mean there's a lot of people in that native tongues circle queen latifah q-tip uh you know
1: any of those people obviously you know the kanye or kendrick too if you could get them
2: they should get someone from the turtles that'd be amazing that's what oh I was thinking oh my <laughs> what,
1: what
3: if it happens that they get inducted with the turtles Same oh here. my god Back. wait the turtles are not in they're not in no wow what do well, the, the turtles do happy together oh
1: okay and else
2: and then yeah oh yeah you uh Eleanor I mean. they had some jams they had some stuff King, yeah. King right. Kamehameha big drum break Got Sam a lot too they probably sued people over that anyways <laughs> yeah good good guys um <laughs>
3: De La Soul gets inducted. What's a good three or four song set that they play at
2: the ceremony?
1: They play side one. They do all the skits. (laughs)
3: Well, I think obviously me, me, myself, and I, they have to play. Do they, though? I
2: don't know. How does that work? Like, how do bands strategize what they play?
3: So I I think of it... Joe has a theory. Usually, don't know, truly. (laughs) No, I mean, like, it's up to them. I think the hall makes some strong suggestions. But I, I think typically a group would want to pick from different albums to kind of give an idea of the arc of their career right right not to just because you could have a great set of all stuff from three feet high but you know you would want i think because it's about it's essentially a lifetime achievement award you would want to pick from different years from different albums
1: i think i mean
3: And they did a song with Shaka Khan. If they get inducted the same year as her, they do that one.
0: So, I mean, the complication
2: here is I don't think they perform anything off of those early albums until Tommy Boy... Clears their stuff so i think as a political gesture they would they wouldn't they would refuse to play anything off of albums that have not been basically licensed or released for streaming oh interesting oh my
1: gosh well do you think because they, could they, they, the they, they point, can't though. profit from
2: it either yeah so what would be the point like there's there's both artistic and political and commercial reasons not to perform any of that early stuff mm-hmm. you know and maybe getting inducted is a compelling reason why Tommy boy would finally pony out do it yeah, yeah I because think yeah, this could be it right so maybe okay fine let's assume, that, let's assume that let's assume that's that the, that
3: the event of their induction is worthy right. enough to finally clear so maybe
2: they do maybe they do like me myself maybe they do threes the, you know three is a magic number sure um yeah. maybe they do ring 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 off of uh de la soul is dead
0: hey, go. Hey, how you doing? sorry I can't get through but what if your name and your number I'll get back, back to you Yo, check uh,
2: And maybe they go like deep cut with like I Am I Be off, of off of the third album, off of Balloon Mindset You know
0: a little something like this Look ma, no protection Now I got a daughter named Ayanna Monet And I can play the cowboy to rustle in the dough So the scenery is healthy with her eyes late I am an early bird, but the feathers are black So the apples that I catch are usually all worms But it's a must to decipher one's queen From a worm who plays goofy and spread around the bad germ
2: yeah. Or you go tripping part two, that'd be kind of hot too Big truck, a man's
0: rolling in town How you do, how you do I got the chart to make you jump Because I'm knees bound Tired of the merry-go-round and around And everybody's talking about your stuff funny But they're still telling lot to me I got the trees in my backyard and it's hard for them to tell a lie to me. And who's the foot? I'm the foot, but who's stepping?
3: Uh, I think that's, that sounds like, if they, okay, here's the deal. If De La Soul, and I'm, I'm, point, <laughs> I'm pointing at Oliver in an, an aggressive, aggressive way. Yeah. That's a public enemy uh, point.
1: That is not a De La point.
3: If De La Soul gets inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, would you go to the induction ceremony? With us?
1: With us keep that does that sweeten or soft? if that no, if that happens, makes it a worse yeah, deal so you can it's take it's us worse, out of the equation will, uh, uh, yeah, yeah sure
3: wouldn't wouldn't that be to find because especially because you're kind of skeptical about their odds and you know the hall in general yeah but see that wouldn't that be sweet sure
2: yeah, I mean, I'm not like it, I'm binding. not opposed I'm not opposed to the existence yeah. of the hall. It, in fact, I mean, whatever my feelings are, it has it has nothing to do with like the hall as an institution. It has to do with the discourse around the hall. In the same way that are with the Grammys. Well, actually, no, i just kind of think the Grammys as an institution are kind of fucked up. But mm-hmm. like it's it's one of those things where when it, when I feel like people care too much about like who gets a Grammy? I'm kind of like, who cares who gets a Grammy? Because why I'm are we give like Grammy who
1: cares about the Rock Hall, but over here,
3: right? <laughs> the, the reason I think the Rock Hall has a, has a leg up on the Grammys is that you, uh, if you fuck something up with the Grammys, it's fucked up for history. You don't give this album the, if you don't give a specific album the award you want to give it, you right. would never you've, give yeah, that right, album.
2: Right? You've missed, you've missed the opportunity. The Hall can has, always make it up later. There's always hope. Right. Like I always say, there's always hope in the Rock
3: and Roll Hall of Fame. There you go. Oliver, thank you so much for being a part of this. Oh, it's my pleasure. I really appreciate it.
2: And I want to give you a chance to uh, plug your own shit. Yeah, so I I co-host a a music uh, album appreciation podcast called Heat Rocks. Every episode we have a guest on to talk about one of their favorite or most formative albums. Um, We release it every week. You can find that at heatrockspod.com or heatrockspod on Twitter, on Instagram. And much like this show, we you know once a week I get to talk about music with smart people, which is super fun. Mm-hmm.
3: And yeah. this one you got you got to talk with dumb people. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, this was
2: a very smart conversation. So thank you. Yeah.
3: Uh, and you've got you've, uh, do you want to plug your, your books or anything? You wrote uh, oh, you edited a, a, a hip hop guide. I did. I
2: wrote I, I edited a hip hop album guide called Classic Material, the Hip Hop Album Guide, which came out God like 15, 16 years ago. Um, very I mean, I, I was able to get some of the, my favorite writers to contribute to it. Um, it's long out of print, so you find it in your local (laughs) library, maybe. Um, I also wrote an academic book. My day job is, I'm a sociology professor. I wrote a book uh, called Legions of Boom, Filipino-American Mobile Dish Hockey Crews of the San Francisco Bay Area, which I'm very proud of, though. Actually, I was going to say, like, maybe... People wouldn't be interested in, it, but why wouldn't you be interested about Filipino American Mobile disc Jockey Cruise of the San Francisco Bay area? So I'm interested.
1: Spirit, Someone right. should make a freaking doc.
2: You know what? People have approached me over the years, and it's one of those things where I think if it was a bigger topic that could get instant funding then it would have already happened. But uh, it's okay. one of those like very labor of love. But it's it's it is very very doc worthy. I'm just gonna I'm biased obviously, yeah. but there's so much there. It's like a well, I it's think like a hip hop story. Rise like, like, that hip-hop.
1: crump that crump doc the crump documentary. Yeah, right? Guys, like right. i feel like that it feels it's similar a very local scene vibe thing. to me right. like about like learning totally. about a local scene and learning mm-hmm. check it out guys Rides, it's uh, a good one we're, it's where Lil' C, see the crump cr- cr- <laughs> dancer got to got start tommy the clown he was at the last
2: oliver uh, where can we find you online um so besides like the handles for the, the podcast um i'm on twitter at oliver s uh, wong and um uh, and then, and then my, my website, which has been around for ages, uh, soul-sides.com. Incredible. Also, uh, you
1: can find his news group, uh, rec- Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <dot> <laughs> you can play. find archives of me writing about Ilmatic. Uh, stupidly back from in 1994 online somewhere Uh, you can find
3: us on Twitter and Instagram at rockhallpod rockhallpod gmail.com, send us a message if you want Kristen to see it you're going to have to designate uh, that in the subject line subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts rate and review us five stars only if you're leaving a review because of this episode you should say uh,
1: um do, say something mean about
2: skits Yeah <laughs> mention, <laughs> mention skits And be mean about it That's a grand takeaway from it. It's not about De La Soul It's about yeah. how bad rap skits are Skits can eat so you shit They uh, really can <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to Mike Boyd For
3: the logo You Kim For the music Thank you to Joe Divine For the equipment Thank you to Chad Briggs And Dave Schilling For letting us record In the home That I share with them Thank you to Pantheon Podcast For hosting us Christian We're glad You're safe and well uh, I'm Joe Kozala. I'm Kristen Studdard And who cares
1: About the rock call Killer. Est-il Est-il Quelle heure est-il